Hello children and welcome to A Story at Bedtime. The tale you're going to hear this evening is another story from the wonderful dinosaurs of Dino Dell. Written and narrated by Alice Goulding. Do enjoy and sleep well. Mike the Megalosaurus starts the dino back race. Mike the Megalosaurus was still trying to find races for his dino games. Long distance running, short distance sprints, but he wanted something different. His mind was occupied on the subject as he walked to school. At the edge of the playing field, he came across Polly the Polycanthus and her cousin Andy the Ankylosaurus. They were trading insults. You're a great lummox, Andy, said Polly. And you're a prima donna, Polly, reported Andy. Whatever is the matter, asked Mike. It's all my fault, squeaked Trevor the Trilobite. He was sitting on Polly's back, nervously gripping one of her spikes with his feelers. She had a row of spikes running down the length of her body, except where there was a flat area of bone just above her hips, making it the perfect place to sit. Andy nearly trod on poor Trevor. I've given him a ride to school so he doesn't happen again. Trevor would have been well and truly squashed if Andy had trodden on him. He weighs the same as an elephant and just, just as cumbersome. As it was, Trevor was not looking happy. I don't feel well. I want to go back to my log and have a lie down. Poor Trevor, all the backwards and forwards motion was making him feel sick. I don't like being on carried on a dinosaur's back. A spark of an idea sprang to life. A dinosaur back race. If Mike could find smaller dinosaurs to sit on larger ones and hold on tight, they could have dino back races. Brilliant. I'll help you get home, Trevor, said Mike. That lunchtime, Mike got together two groups of dinosaurs. The smaller dinosaurs in the first group and the other group were larger dinosaurs. This is my new race, he exclaimed. I want you to pair up with dinosaur from the opposite group. There was a general huffing and puffing until all the dinosaurs had found a partner. Now if you all line up in front here, help partner climb on your back. Stan the Stegosaurus looked confused. He wouldn't fit on Olivia the Oviraptor's back. Stan, I'm supposed to climb on you, explained Olivia laughing. Are you all ready? When I count to three, you can race to the end of the field. Three, that's how many sides make up a triangle, said Tracy the Triceratops. All the dinosaurs groaned. Tracy was obsessed with her triangles. One, two, three, go! Mike started the first dino back race ever. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Story at Bedtime was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello children and welcome to Bedtime Story. The tale you're going to hear this evening is another story about Carlos the Cat and his friends. Written by Graham Emmett and narrated by Uncle Roger. Enjoy and sleep well. Carlos solves a mystery. Carlos's owner and a neighbour were talking in the back garden. She was complaining about small trinkets going missing. It happened when she was at work. Another neighbour from the other side of the road joined them. She'd had the same thing happening, including small items of shiny clothing, scarves and the like. Carlos's owner admitted he was missing a few items, cufflinks, watch chain and an old medallion he used to wear to discos back in the 1970s. This was a job for Carlos. He took the bus to Clapham 
and asked Teddy and Larry if they could help him solve the mystery of shiny trinkets going missing. The three of them then returned to Brixton. What we need to do is each take three or four houses in my street and wander through their back gardens, first looking for any with doors or windows open that somebody could get through. If they're all closed, is there a cat flap or something similar? It shouldn't take more than about 20 minutes. Then come back to my garden and tell me what you found. Carlos checked his four houses and waited for Teddy and Larry to come back. He'd found two with cat flaps. Teddy had two, Larry one. None had any doors or windows open. That's six houses with flaps, so we'll take two houses each and watch them from out of sight. Anything unusual, just come and bang on my tin dish with this stick and we all come back here. Then we'll decide what to do. Off they went. Nothing much happened for a couple of hours. Then Teddy heard something in the undergrowth. He kept very quiet and still, observing. A very small dog appeared from the rhubarb patch and charged through the cat flap. Teddy ran to Carlos's ditch and banged it for all he was worth. Carlos and Larry came running. Little dog just shot through number 10's cat flap, said Teddy, puffing. Carlos thought for a moment, then he went inside, returning with a woven shopping bag. We'll catch him in this when he comes out. Larry and I will hold the bag over the flap. When he's in the bag, you jump on the open side so he can't get out and then we'll do the same. Won't be long until they come home, said Carlos. This worked. The owner of number 10 was most surprised seeing three cats sitting on a moving bag, even more so when she looked inside to see a dog with her jewellery. So you're the thief stealing our trinkets. I'll bet you belong to that man in the car who's been hanging around for two weeks. She called the police, who arrested the man and his dog. They'd been trying to catch him for weeks without success. He had a car full of stuff that had gone missing. Teddy, Larry and Carlos got a reward and they made the papers. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Corner was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire. Hello and welcome to Children's Bedtime Story. It's Wednesday where we hear all about the orange dog named Jaffa. Written by Jackie Richmond and narrated by me, Sue Rodwell-Smith. Let's see what Jaffa is up to this evening, shall we? Oh, Enjoy! Must you well. that doggy in the window <laughs> The one with the waggly tail Arthur oh, comes to live with Jaffa and the gang. Well, the what can I say about Arthur? Arthur had not come to live with us as a puppy. It was a bit strange looking at Arthur. He was a cockershon, not that I knew what that was. He definitely was not an orange, he was black and white, but we all told him that he was welcome to join our pack. He was a little live wire. I gave Arthur the rundown of what we did each day. 
He was quite excited, especially when I said we get biscuits and treats every day. I also told him that we go to this place called the park, where we all run off lead. We would all chat about things, as Arthur was quite an intelligent dog and tells us all his stories of where he lived before. Arthur told us that where he lived before, another human lived next door. He never liked Arthur, as Arthur would bark. My word, he's a dog. All dogs bark. The human complained even more about Arthur barking and said nasty things. So, after a long discussion with all the family, it was decided that Arthur should come and live with us. He actually fitted in really well and was a pleasure to have. He loved being with Edward. They were the same age and the rest of the dogs, especially Benjamin. Arthur and Benjamin were the same colour too, but Arthur was a lot smaller than Benjamin. Arthur went along with everything we did. He was what they called a working dog and needed to do things like hunting, not sniffing about and sleeping like us lazy hounds. He loved to run through the woods with Benjamin. It was really quite funny to see because of their different heights, but Arthur would manage to keep up with Benjamin as he was very fast at running. I think he was the only one able to do this. His instinct to hunt and follow was very different to us hounds. Mum never let Edward and Arthur off together as this would have been complete disaster. I think she would probably still be looking for the pair today. It was going to be a very emotional time for myself, Benjamin, Edward and Louis and Arthur and of course our mum and dad who really liked Arthur but we all knew that Arthur needed his own home and family. After numerous long conversations and discussions, the humans all decided that maybe the best thing to do would be to take Arthur to Wood Green and see if they could help. We all said our goodbyes to Arthur and it was very sad. I explained to him that hopefully he would find his everlasting home and that one day we would see him again. Arthur just wagged his tail as he always did. It was really nice having Arthur living with us, even though he was not an orange. Arthur went happily off with the lady. Arthur wasn't there for long, as the next day a family took him home. Mum then told us all the good news. We all ran around barking. Mum was so excited she started jumping up and down, which made it worse. Arthur actually lives near us and Mum has seen him on regular occasions. On one occasion, she went and spoke to the man who had Arthur. Arthur kept looking at Mum with a slight wag of the tail as if to say, I think I know you. The man said about Arthur's sad story and Mum told him what happened. He was really touched and how Mum had tried to help Arthur. Mum eventually stroked Arthur and his tail never stopped wagging. It made Mum cry. Arthur lives with other adopted dogs. Arthur is now called Alfie, but we still talk about Arthur, who used to live with us. At least Arthur has now got his forever home with such a lovely family. I never saw Arthur again, but I knew he was happy now in his own home. I'm glad I met Arthur, even though he was not an orange. I feel I'm getting a little tired and may need to have a dog nap. I hope you enjoyed my story. Until the next time, good night, children. Oh, 
much is that doggy in the window? <laughs> the one with the waggly tail. How much is that doggy in the window? Edited by Sue Rodwell Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Hello, children, and welcome to a story at bedtime. This evening's story is all about Dorothea. Was written by John Mountford and is narrated by Julie Stark and me, Sue Rodwell Smith. Dorothea has magic powers when she wears a particular pair of jeans. What do you think she's up to this evening? Let's see, shall we? Enjoy! and the television. Dorothea is just the same as every other little girl. Well, almost. You see, she's just the same as you or your sister until she changes into her... Wait, here she comes now. She can tell you herself. Hello, everyone. I'm Dorothea. Dorothea, tell the children about your genes. Do you think they'll really want to know? Oh, yes, I'm sure they will. Well, it's like this. When I'm on my way to school, nothing fun happens at all. The teacher talks non-stop all day, and then it's time to leave. Hooray! But when I get back home again, I change into my jeans, and then... Jeans, jeans are my lovely jeans. Now I can chatter with machines. Can you really, Dorothea? Don't you believe me? I'm wearing my jeans now, so come for a walk with me and see. Today... When Dorothea looked outside, it was raining. So instead of going for a walk, she decided to stay at home. Yes, that's right. I'm going to stay in and watch television. I'll just switch it on. This is the news. Oh, how boring you are, television. I hate the news. That wasn't me saying that, Dorothea. That was my channel. Today, a ship sank. Where did it sink? I don't know, Dorothea. I'm just the television. You'll have to listen to the news. Yeah, I don't like the news. The crew were all rescued by helicopter. Oh, that's more exciting. I can talk to helicopters. Can you, Dorothea? Shh, television. I'm listening to the news. You said you didn't like the news. The next news will be the lunchtime news. We hope you can come back and join us then. Oh, I've missed the news now because you talked over it. Sorry, Dorothea. What would you like to see next? A programme about a girl who can talk to machines would be nice. I don't think there is one of those. What about a soap? Soap? Are you saying I'm dirty? Of course not, Dorothea. A soap is a programme which tells a story about the same people every day. Why would I want to watch the same people every day? Poor television. Dorothea is teasing her. Lots of people like to watch the soaps. Wash the soap? Why would you wash the soap? The soap is always clean. That's why it's called soap. The next programme is the soap. You see, you can now watch the soap. I'm not watching the soap. I'm changing channel. Dorothea presses the button on the TV remote control to change the channel. That was the remote control. He squeaks when I press his button. It's very ticklish. 
The next programme is World of Nature. Oh, Dorothea, let's watch World of Nature. It's all about animals. I don't want to watch a programme about animals. I can't talk to them. Dorothea has changed the channel again. This programme is about cars. Oh, I like cars. I can talk to them. Not boring cars. They just go, woo, to my loudspeaker. They're so noisy, they make my screen rattle. <laughs> oh, that feels horrible. These cars are boring. I can't talk to them. They're not proper cars. They're just on the TV. Dorothea has changed the channel again. The next programme is about a little girl who can talk to machines. Oh, wow! I'm on! Blah. The TV has gone off. What happened? What's the matter, television? I need to watch me on telly. I've broken. Those horrible cars rattled my loudspeaker. One of my wires has come loose. No! I'll try another channel. Stupid television. All the channels are broken. That's the end of this story. We'll come back and see what Dorothea is doing another day for another adventure. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Bedtime Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntington, Cambridgeshire. Good morning children and welcome to Children's Corner on a Saturday, broadcasting on 8CR 104FM. I do hope you enjoy the story today and do tell all your friends, won't you? Have a lovely Playday Saturday and see you next week. Everyone is a winner, written by Becca Cook. It was the night before school sports day and the moon shone through a gap between the treehouse bedroom curtains. Milo the monkey lay wide awake in his bed worrying about his monkey bar race tomorrow. Opposite him, his sister Maisie gave out a sigh, ah, and turned this way and that, making her hammock swing. Peering around the bedroom door, Flo whispered, I spy two monkeys still awake when they should be sleeping. Oh, Mum, I cannot possibly sleep, said Maisie. I have a knot in my stomach, said Milo. Father Jared climbed the stairs to join them. Hmm, are you anxious about your sports day races tomorrow? asked Flo. Why don't you tell us all about it? invited Jared. Milo and Macy felt relieved to be able to talk and once they started, they could not stop. What if I get stuck in the tunnel? What if I miss the monkey bar? What if I cannot find the hidden banana eye in the sand pit? What if I come last? There were so many worries that Flo suggested they all try a little trick to calm their nerves. Closing their eyes, Flo asked them to imagine their favourite birthday cake with candles. Ooh, my one is chocolate cake, smiled Macy. Mmm, my one is banoffee, Milo said, licking his lips. Jared chose a lemon cheesecake and Flo a rainbow cake. Now Flo asked everyone to open their eyes and lift one hand up in front of them. Just imagine that your hand is the cake and your fingers are the candle, Flo explained. Milo thought his mum was going bananas, but Macy was enjoying this game. 
Flo then asked everyone to take a deep breath in the count of one, two, three. Now slowly blow out the candles. One, two, three. Again, Flo said. Breathe in, one, two, three, and out, one, two, three. Milo and Macy began to feel better. Wow, this really helps, said Milo and Macy. Shall we change the endings now, children, to all of those what-ifs, said Jared. Tomorrow will be the best sports day ever. You will crawl through the tunnel with these, and if you miss a monkey bar, you will get back up there and start again, because you are having so much fun. It does not matter if you do not find the hidden banana or come last, because it is the participating that is important, and tomorrow you are all winners. Milo and Macy fell happily to sleep, dreaming of tomorrow's adventures. The seven o'clock alarm rang. Milo and Macy jumped out of their hammocks and got ready for the big sports day. Arriving at school, there was a big crowd of people gathered on the field, waiting for the first race to start. Milo began to feel nervous again, so closed his eyes and imagined his cake, then started to slowly blow out the candles. Milo felt much better as he joined his friends at the monkey bars. Spider Monkey Flint was the hot favourite to win, as he was the best acrobat. On your marks, get set, the whistle blew. Go! Milo jumped up and grabbed hold of the monkey bar. He could hear everyone cheering and clapping. Milo swung to the next bar and began to pick up speed. His friends were doing the same and the race was on. Milo could see Flint next to him and they were both in the lead. Just a little bit further and Milo had a real chance of winning. It was all down to the last three bars. Flint suddenly leapt across two bars, making him the winner, and Milo came a close second. Milo congratulated Flint and was not upset about not winning, as he was having so much fun. On your marks, get set, the whistle blew. Go! Macy ran towards the tunnel and ducked inside. She was the first to come out and dived into the sand pit, searching for the hidden banana. Macy's friends joined her one by one and everyone was laughing as sand flew about and bottoms were in the air as they looked for the banana. Suddenly Macy saw a flash of yellow and grabbed the banana. Macy held it up high and leapt into the air with excitement. Milo cheered, whoop, whoop. He was so happy his sister had won the race. Sports day was coming to an end, but there was one more race to go. Milo and Macy gathered with the crowd to see Flo and Jared join the other parents for the sack race. On your marks, get set, the whistle blew. Go! For Flo and Jared, the race did not last long as they jumped up and down in their sacks and bumped straight into each other and fell into a heap on the floor laughing. Milo and Macy thought their parents had been right. It's not about coming first, but joining in. And they all went home a winner. Edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith, Children's Saturday Story was brought to you by Wavelength Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire.
Hello and welcome to Children's Poetry Corner on a Sunday. The poem is from Jumping Jewels Poetry and is read by Julie Stevens. Do enjoy. Clever Mum My mum skips with spaghetti. She juggles with ten beds. I think mum's really clever when she sleeps on one leg. She tells me stories with her toes, turning pillows into fluffy friends. She can even make giant puddles when the rain comes to an end. My mum plays the drums while standing on her head. She knows the words of every song to sing when I'm scared. But what I like, the cleverest of all, are the cartwheels she can turn. Because mum always gives me hugs whilst twirling upside down. Jumping Jewels Poetry was edited by Sue Rodwell-Smith is brought to you by Wavelengths Productions and recorded in Huntingdon, Cambridgeshire.